Hey everyone, Daniel here. Uh, just before we get into this week's episode, wanted to take a moment to commemorate the passing of Deezer D, uh, better known to UER fans as Nurse Malik McGrath, who we unfortunately lost this past Thursday uh, at just the age of 55. Um, as kind of fate would have it, this episode that we're going to be talking about this week is kind of a little bit of a more... Um, uh, features Malik a little bit more heavily, uh, which is kind of a c- strange coincidence, uh, given that, you know, Malik was a, obviously a, an omnipresent character. He was with us from the very first episode all the way to the very last, uh, made 190 appearances total. He's pretty high up there in the, the cast appearance list. Um, he's a character that was kind of always there, but didn't always get the spotlight, um, didn't need it. Uh, but he is in this episode quite a bit and uh, does some pretty, pretty good work, which we make make note of here. Uh, and also want to make note, too, that this episode was recorded uh, several weeks ago. Uh, we were getting a bunch of stuff done before Christmas. And so this this episode was recorded uh, quite a quite a while ago now. So um, as you're listening to us discuss this episode and particularly Malik's um, D's or D, I should say, uh, D's or D's role. Uh, in this episode, just keep that in mind that, you know, this is all well before uh, his untimely passing this past week. Uh, But just from the whole STT family, and I'm sure from the extended ER fandom, we just want to extend our heartfelt condolences and our thoughts are with, uh, you know, these are D's entire family, the extended ER family, the the cast and crew have been posting tributes and stuff all over social media. Um, clearly, the, this was a guy who made an impact on a lot of people's lives, and uh, we're very sorry to have lost him uh, at such a young age. Uh, so with all that stuff out of the way, we will get into this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 17, which is titled Tribes. The episode aired on April 10th, 1997, about a six or seven week break in there. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? Well, NBC airs the movie Schindler's List in its unedited form. An estimated 65 million people tuned in to watch the R-rated historical drama. In an effort to curb teen smoking, the Food and Drug Administration issues a new rule that retailers must check a photo ID to anyone who looks 27 or younger before selling them cigarettes. President Bill Clinton issues a ban on federal funding for human cloning research, because I guess that was a big problem. Um... Based on the 1992 movie of the same name, Joss Whedon's show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, makes its debut on the WB Network, Hello My Childhood. Paul McCartney becomes Sir Paul McCartney as he is knighted by Queen Elizabeth II. The English Patient takes home the Best Picture Award at the 69th Annual Academy Awards. In the seven-week break, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and Private Parts all held the number one spot at the box office. This week's number one movie is Liar Liar. And Can't Hold Me Down by Puff Daddy, featuring Maze as the number one song. 
All right. So as far as what else was on uh, during the break, we had a, a premiere of a new show on NBC where they tried to they, they were test driving something in ER's time slot. So on that first Thursday of the break, NBC premiered a pilot episode of a new series called Prince Street. Uh, it was a police procedural about undercover cops in New York City. Uh, starred Joe Morton, uh, who you might recognize from the Terminator movies, uh, as well as a bunch of other things. He was um, kind of a definite, oh, hey, it's that guy character actor. Um, a pre-ER as well as pre-Law & Order SVU, Mariska Hargitay, um, and also was going to feature a very young Sam Rockwell. Um, he wasn't in the pilot episode, but he was going to be in the remaining episodes uh, going forward. Um, they, only, they filmed six episodes, only two of which actually made it to air. So it kind of kind of fell flat on its face, unfortunately. Ouch. Yeah. Um, but I did I did find the pilot episode on uh, YouTube and watched it. And uh, it's not super great. You can kind of tell why it didn't last. Um, like I said, it's kind of it's kind of stuck in a middle ground between the like early 90s, early mid 90s kind of NYPD blue feel uh, and the like kind of edgier we're trying to lean hard into the technology stuff of the late 90s into the early 2000s um they would like do random cuts to security camera footage and lots of herky-jerky camera work and stuff uh so they're clearly were they were clearly trying something but it just didn't quite match up but the cast is really good um all the people i mentioned previously uh also the guy who played hector salamanca on um breaking bad the guy with the bell ding ding um yeah looking much younger i mean you know as as much younger as you can look not being confined to a wheelchair and only communicating via bell uh but uh so very robust cast but something just didn't quite gel and it was canceled after two episodes so they had a little bit of a gap to fill in there i would imagine they told uh er that they were going to be off for a few weeks so that they could test drive this new show and when that didn't work they were kind of left holding the bag because er hadn't filmed anything so uh they filled the remaining thursdays with a law and order three-parter until ER returned here on the 10th. And uh, for the evening of April 10th, at 8 p.m., we had Friends uh, with the one with the dollhouse. At 8.30 p.m., so the single guy, poor one out for the single guy, it has ended in the period between the last episode and this one. It has oh, been darn. officially canceled. We hardly knew ye. Ming-Na Wen is out of a job, but don't cry for her. I'm sure she'll be... Well, she's already in Mulan at this I point. I was going right? to say, she's had already... she done Mulan by now? It's this uh, year, I think, Mulan, I think. I think Mulan comes out in 97, so she's almost definitely already recorded her parts for that i could have told uh, you i could have, i could have would have thought that we have already talked about mariska hargitay and er so i have no i clearly have no idea where we are in the timeline <laughs> yeah mariska hargitay is coming up i think i think she's in season who does four. she play she's uh March girlfriend yeah she's a, a clerk she's a clerk and very uh, March a girlfriend very for a bit very divisive character. People have very okay. strong opinions about mariska hargitay uh some really liked her character some most did not Got but it. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, at 8.30, uh, so at 8.30 p.m., like I said, Single Guy was uh, canceled in the gap, and so that has been replaced with Suddenly Susan with a new episode with friends like these. At 9 p.m., Seinfeld's still kicking around with The Nap, and at 9.30 p.m., we've got another new show starting up here called Fired Up. So previously at the 9.30 slot, you had The Naked Truth. That is still going technically, but it has been moved to, I believe, Friday nights, so it's we'll never see it again here on the Thursday lineup, but it's not long for the world either i think it's canceled by the end of the season um, but they're starting a new show here fired up a sitcom starring sharon lawrence and leah remini about two women who are fired from their jobs and team up to start their own business it lasted for two seasons and a total of 28 episodes before it was canceled in february of 1998 
Uh, it'll be with us here on Thursday nights for about a month or so, and then it's going to get moved to Monday nights where it'll meet its eventual demise. I wonder if this is where um, Leah R- Romani got her exposure before going on to King of Queens. It could be. Yeah, it could be. Certainly Which... a first first uh, crack at like a sort of co-starring role. One of my favorite like after school sitcoms that was on TBS, King of Queens. Like I enjoyed oh, it for yeah. what it was. Yeah, I watched uh, quite a bit of King of Queens when it was on. I think my parents watched it when it was new and of course, like you said it was in reruns for years. Yeah. But Hello Patton Oswalt. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before before we knew anything about Patton Oswalt really. Like I think yeah. it, there was a whole thing for I remember like around the mid 2000s there was this whole thing of like did you know the guy from King of Queens tells really dirty jokes? Like it was like finding yep. out Bob Saget <laughs> cursed. Yeah. Oh, Bob Saget. That's a whole other mess. Yeah. He still uh, has one but of, he has one of my favorite comedy specials of all time. The Pat one, Oswald. Yeah, the one after mm. his wife the one after his wife passed away. Very good. Uh, so getting back to this week's episode, though, we are at 34.2 million viewers for this week, uh, up just slightly from last week. This week's episode is directed by Richard Thorpe, doing his fourth of 31 episodes. Previously this season, we talked about Ghosts that he did. Uh, this week's episode is written by Lance Gentile, doing his fourth out of seven episodes, but his first since season one when he directed, or I'm sorry, when he wrote Love's Labor Lost, Blizzard, and Another Perfect Day. And uh, we op- we got our previously on this week, courtesy of Anthony Edwards, and we opened the episode proper with Mark, Malik, Carter, and Doug playing basketball in the ambulance bay. And honestly, you just love I I just love these scenes. They're, they're just so good. they're just so pure. It's just it's also so very essential, like ER culture. Like when we talk about iconic stuff, it's the basketball court in the ambulance bay. It's them talking about the weather changing on a dime. It's like these are those little things that add up to like just constants through the show. Yeah. But uh, Carrie comes out because there's an ambulance coming in and she's like, and no one goes to help her with the incoming patient. She's like, oh, no, keep bonding, Mark. I got it. Just going to try to save a life. Yep. And that patient turns out to be Mr. Thomas, who is a gentleman who has OD'd on his son's Jimson weed tea. And the kid goes, when my dad comes down, he's really going to kill me. It's like this hippie-ish looking kid with a really dirty ponytail. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, one of a couple of little comedy beat patients we'll get in this episode. We stick with Mr. Thomas a little bit longer than the other one, but uh, Mr. Thomas here, I did remark or did mark down that he's played by uh, a semi oh hey it's that guy. He's not super super recognizable, but his name is just a tier. Richard Fancy, which you know have to shorten it down to Dick Fancy because otherwise why would I bother writing it down? <laughs> uh, he appeared in such films as The Girl Next Door, What About Bob, and Tango and Cash. And then as one of those whiplash 180s, we go to Carol attending her patient for the episode, a girl named Lori, who is talking about how she missed using her diaphragm and wondering if she can take a quadruple dose of birth control the morning after to prevent a pregnancy, because that's something she had heard from the girls at her school. And we find out she's asking because a little while ago she had had a few beers and she was going to give a guy a ride home from a party. Next thing she knew, she woke up in the dorm parking lot with her tights pulled down and does not remember what happened. I think we can all fill in the blanks there. Pretty shitty. And uh, we hard pivot right back over to Mr. Thomas, uh, who's continuing to be hypersexual and psychotic. And he's flirting with Carrie and Malik and talking about how pretty his junk is. Uh, and then Carrie just very, very plainly says, it's not that pretty, Mr. Thomas. And we find out that he's a medical malpractice attorney, which will have no consequence whatsoever to the <laughs> remainder of this episode. So we go back out to the ambulance bay where we see Benton has joined in the basketball game with the boys. 
Carter uh, tells Benton that, you know, the ER is a cakewalk compared to the OR, which sets uh, sets Doug and Mark off. They, they bet Carter that they could have a patient that would tie him up the whole day, which that's going to kind of set up Carter's arc for this episode. Uh, we come in with some bangs. I believe that is 17 for 17 on the bangs for yep. this season. Mm-hmm. So are we going to get through an entire season with no twinkles whatsoever? Like, are we- I want to say I want to say yes, but then that would just prove me wrong, and we'll have a twinkle on like the very last episode. <laughs> the, so, or the very next one. Yeah. Um, coming out of the intro, we see Jerry. Uh, he's on the phone with somebody, uh, presumably somebody calling, asking for medical advice. <laughs> he says, "Just leave the hair in the doll's mouth, and the doctors will figure it out." Because Jerry's the one you want handling the triage line. You know. We go from there to uh, Mark and Doug trying to decide on Carter's nightmare patient for the episode. We'll get a little bit more insight into that in just a few minutes. So with that Jimson weed tea, they left it just right on the counter and Jerry's like, asks who brought, who brought it in? Uh, and quick pop over to Mark deciding to pass on the quote crackhead with abdominal pain onto Carter. So sets <sighs> up lovely, lots of lovely language this episode. Mm. Uh, and then right back to Jerry, who goes to drink the tea, and Carrie slams it out of his hand with her can. <laughs> Just like, now. It's, a, it's, a, a, it's a great take, but I do feel like it was a tremendous missed opportunity not having Jerry drink the tea and make that a background bit the whole oh. episode. That Jerry's just like weirdly flirting with people. Like, th- that would have, to me, could have been an all-time great That would have been a master class in acting, but um, it is also really great for some slapstick comedy, no pun intended, ha, by Laura ha, Inez to ha. get to whack him with that cane. Just, see, um, I see what you did there. Yeah, every once in a while I get him good. But then we go back over to Carol and Lori, and Carol notes that um, she was likely roofied based off her blood test. And the girl says, Lori says, what if I'm wrong? I don't really know what happened. It's just my word against his. So it's going to be, it's going to be one one of those. It's going to be one of those. Um, But then we find out we've got two gunshot wound victims coming in. Um, It looks like it's a drug deal gone bad. One guy's being brought in. He's a young African-American man who was shot in the left flank. And the other victim is a 17-year-old white employee hit in the left chest. And I'm only noting that because this comes into play for the story. Um, and I want to note, they're brought in and immediately, whose films are those? Who's turned in these rooms, gang? We already got films up. These people have not been scanned yet. And then as as the 17-year-old kid is being brought in, Mark says, I guess you need hazard pay for slinging burgers these days. Uh, and then we go over to the first gunshot victim. Uh, his name is Kenny. He insists he doesn't own a gun, and Doyle is working on him alone. And his brother comes in yelling. He's pissed that the doctors think that his brother is a gangbanger, which just feels like a dirty word to say. Um, I mean, that's what this is. That's the language they use in this episode. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like there's seven people huddled around the the white kid, and there's only one really for. For his brother. I mean, and it's really common for them to portray quote unquote gangbangers with the exact same like fashion choices and aesthetic that they're using for Kenny. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, the kid's name is Kenny Law. He's a Southside basketball kid. And who plays him? He's played by actor Norris Young, who ironically enough, his one major credit outside of this was the movie Dangerous Minds, which was uh, one of those like mid mid 90s to early 2000s white savior movies uh this one happened to feature michelle pfeiffer as a uh you know the tough nosed uh 
streetwise high school teacher who goes into the oh. underprivileged school and it was most famous for the coolio song um gangsta's paradise came from mm. that movie oh. all right so. uh Amish Paradise is one of my favorite Weird Al songs, so I'm forever grateful to even if even if that song isn't even if Gangsta's Paradise is not my type of song. Um, Gangsta's Paradise might have been Little Daniel's first favorite song. Just saying. Fair <laughs> five enough. Five year old five year old me had very eclectic taste. Uh, mine was every song on the Armageddon soundtrack, so we're not going to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> mine was Wannabe by Spice Girls. It's fair. I'm sorry you only got to say that that was the number one song. On the charts for one week. It I'll only manage. had a four-week run, and we had our time skip here. I'll manage. We'll just have to watch Spice World at some point to make up for it. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, but our but the but the brother calls uh, Benton in to help. He was just like, yo, black man, or, some, or what, he's, something like that. He's like, yeah. yo, black man, are you a doctor? Yeah. Come help my brother. Yeah. <laughs> did, did either of you have the same sort of... I had a very visceral reaction when I saw particularly Kenny's brother walk in. Um, I... It was it was similar to when Ruby came in last season. Like yeah. I had a I had an immediate like, oh, so we're here. Like it was oh, that oh, sort of so, thing. Oh, so this is going Lizzie, to happen. Soon. Lizzie and I had conversations about this that I'm going to hold until next episode because there's there's thoughts. But yes, I did go. Oh, I've known we were coming up to this because I've seen the yeah. thumbnails. But like to be like, oh. Oh my! Yeah. It's like yeah, uh, yeah like, like you said, there's this very specific moment that I know is coming later in the season, but it was one of those deals where like I know it's coming later in the season. I wasn't expecting it this episode. So when he when he bursts into the room like a house of fire, it was like, oh, so we're here now. We're doing this now. Got it? Okay. Like like I said, it was very similar to when Ruby came in and it kind of like sucked all the air out of the room, even though nothing was wrong yet. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see if it's a similar type situation as it was with Ruby, where I'm anticipating this like huge buildup and it doesn't really ever happen. But we'll that's see. that's part of yeah yeah we ha- we have so differing we'll, opinions on that for sure yeah so we'll, we'll get there when we get there but we go from there to Carter examining the quote fifty year old crackhead again lots of non preferable nomenclature in this episode uh, her name is Babs. Her proper name is Babs. Uh, she's played by an actress named Marlene Warfield, who was in such films as Network, How I Got Into College, and Across 110th Street. Uh, and then we get a little gal pal moment here. Jeannie asks Carrie for a script for a new diaphragm. Carrie's like, oh, so things with Greg are going well. And Jeannie's like, yeah, you know, I just want to be prepared. Nothing's happened yet. It's not like he's the love of my life. I don't know if we should do this because if he's not the love of my life, do I want to risk giving him HIV? And I'm just planning as well as possible for a spontaneous moment. And it's just so sweet to see baby genie just overthinking all of this. Like, I love the two of them. I love their friendship so much. Hey, at least she's trying her very best to be responsible. She is. It. Of course so, she would yeah. be. She, yeah, she's I'm not very saying she wouldn't. Here, I'm like... just saying good for her. Yes. Yeah. She, she her her kind of like nervous energy here is very adorable. Like and just like she's a little embarrassed, but yeah, yeah, she's a little excited. It's it's cute. Uh, but we go from there. A 29 year old woman who is six and a half months pregnant was in a car accident. She's being brought in by the EMTs, and surprise, it is Carla. Uh, which oh is my! Very, very shocking reveal there. Um, and did either of you notice we get a new recurring EMT here? I did not. So the EMT who brings in uh, Carla here is EMT Lars Audia, I'm guessing is his, how you pronounce his last name. Um, I I was like, 
I, I really went to go check just kind of on a lark, assuming that this guy was going to be a, a one and done um, EMT, but he actually sticks around for 15 appearances through 1999. So he'll be with us for at least probably the next season or so. Uh, but he's played by actor J.P. Hubble. Cool. All right, and then we go back uh, to Kenny, and his brother is giving Mark hell about uh, the unfair treatment that Kenny is getting, and uh, tells Mark, it's just another shot N-word is what you saw. Because Mark, Mark is trying to do the white guy, like, oh, oh, I'm not racist. <laughs> yeah, Mark's thing this entire episode is I don't see race. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's his line. Not, not that specifically, but he's like, we try and treat everybody equally. Like, we don't discriminate based on color. But there's a lot of little microaggressions throughout this whole episode that come into play with how with how Mark deals with this entire set of events. They, they do a really good job of illustrating those microaggressions, too. Like, mm-hmm. like, driving home the point of why that's not okay or why that's a problem. Yep. And uh, who plays Kenny's brother here? Kenny's brother uh, is played by an actor named Joe Torrey, who uh, appeared in stuff like Poetic Justice, Tales from the Hood, and NCIS, and has one hell of a case of the crazy eyes. Like he has, he has the most intense he's, eyes. Like he's, he's uh, his also, acting is all in the eyes. He's also jacked. He is, yeah. Especially yeah. later in the episode when he's in chairs, you can see yeah. he's got like his his jacket ripped. off and ripped to the gills, and just the most intense case of crazy eyes but yeah he's really good i i really like this actor yep um and the brother's name is chris by the way just i don't know oh, how thank often you. it I did. comes have up we, have, but have we mentioned that did we have i don't in the episode i don't think yet yeah it takes a long time for it to come up because for the longest time i just had him credited as kenny's brother yeah so so just just to have it on top of things it's, his name is chris we'll probably use kenny's brother more often because that's kind of how he is in the show but <clears throat> just so we know um, so then we go to Doug and Mark are checking on the white boy's wounds with his parents because they need consent for surgery. And, you know, Mark, Mark or Doug says, you know, he was probably in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the mom goes, Billy is always in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the dad goes, our son's a crack dealer, doctor. It's just a matter of time. It's like, cool. There's all the air going out of that room. We were wrong. Tricks on you, audience. Y'all, y'all assumed we were all wrong. We were, we were baited into it too. And then we go back over to Carol doing a pelvic on Lori, and um, Carol says she needs to be tested for AIDS, and we'll get antibiotics for any STDs she may have gotten. Um, and Carol's pushing her to report to the police because if she does not report to the police. This guy, Mike, might do it again, and the next girl that he roofies mixing with alcohol, she might die from the combination. So way to really lay it on thick there, Carol. Always the responsibility of the victims. Yeah. It's a very, very uh, inauspicious way to start the episode here with this, laying it on thick with this heavy storyline that they kind of, did you notice, they kind of abandoned the storyline halfway through. Not abandoned, I mean, it, it has a natural wrapping up point. Like, it, you know, they, they do but sort of... they, like... They taper it. Yeah, it's very tapered and very just like, you know, in, I mean, I think we have a similar type storyline in a season one episode, a very early season one episode that also with Carol that kind of dominates the whole episode. And yeah. this one, this one, we barely make it like 15 minutes in before it's done. But uh, Lori here is played by an actress named Bonnie Root, who uh, her most notable credits that I could find for her were Cold Case and The Mentalist. Uh, but we go right out of that to Carter calling out, uh, calling on the hospital that turfed Babs, uh, 
the quote again 50 year old crackhead as he mentions on the phone um kenny's coach has showed up to check on him he's waiting in the chairs uh, area and chris the brother as we mentioned earlier is right on it uh and the teammates are relieved so there's there's a growing gaggle of family and friends kind of at throughout the episode the the group of folks that are waiting for the news on kenny continues to grow uh in the chairs area so that's also going to be kind of a, a flashpoint I love the minute when they're like, oh, Chris is up. The minute that Mark says, oh, you know, his brother Chris is upstairs. We're like, oh, Chris is on it. Okay, cool. Like, <laughs> they trust Chris. He's a, he's a good community representative. They feel like Kenny's going to be done right by if the brother's up there, which is what I love. Yeah. But then I also love that they throw a fit when they're like, oh, the coach gets to go up, but he's not immediate family. What are you trying to say? Like, Right, which, again, we yeah. should point out, too, because, again, it is sort of germane to the story. We should point out that the coach is white. Yep. Uh, so the coach gets a pass from Mark to go up to the surgical floor when otherwise it's restricted to only immediate family. Immediate family. But he lets the coach go up there, but he doesn't let any of the friends or the teammates go up there who all happen to be black. So it's kind of, again, there's, there's like, this is a very tense episode, just overall. Let's, especially in 2020, 2021 lenses. Like, let's, yep. mm, let's, let's inspect some shit here, gang. And now we go over to more adorableness with Jeannie examining Carla and we get to hear little baby Reese's heartbeat for the first time. Yay. I I, I love Reese. I'm just so excited. I know this, the end of this episode. Oh, I I love it. (laughs) I'm so excited for like two seasons from now when Reese isn't a, a uh, yeah, isn't an infant. Um, and is actually like interacts with the world. Um, (laughs) but she's, uh, but Carla is scared to get stitches on her cut arm because she hates needles. Which, to be fair, yeah. I've never had stitches. Well, that I've been awake for. Like, I've yeah. had them after surgery, but never... Yeah. No, thanks. I'm good. Yeah. I've never actually had stitches either, but just the concept of them horrifies me. Because you're just sewing flesh back together? Yep. <laughs> Neat. There's an image for you folks on the Thursday morning. I wasn't psyched to watch it when I got mine. I'll just say that. I, I get woozy when my blood is being drawn these days. I would not be able to watch Stitches. Yeah, blood being drawn is normal at this point because for hormone checkups, I get it done at least four times a year. Um, and tattoos or whatever. But Yeah, for some reason I can watch tattoos and be fine. Because there's art to be done <laughs> with, with yeah. the tattoos. Not like, a lot of tattoos. God like, damn it. Ooh, you're coloring me. Neat. Fuck you, COVID. <sighs> One day. Patrons, Lizzie will get an ER tattoo. If no, you, I if won't. No. <laughs> no, I will not. I might get Thank an you. ER tattoo if you remember, give us enough money. My, remember those my Team next Jerry stickers? My... Lizzie will get one. I will, get, no, Roger I, will I, I will get Team Jerry as a tramp stamp if one of you gives me $1,000. Wow, stretch, stretch goal on Patreon. $1,000 no, a month, and Lauren will get a Team Jerry yeah, tramp stamp. Yeah, not $1,000. It's got to be $1,000 a month for a year, and I will get a Team Jerry <laughs> tramp stamp in full color. No regrets. Patreon.com slash podcast. Get on it. Um, but then from there, speaking of Jerry, he is trying to deal with Chris and Kenny's friends and teammates. And it's just like, they're, you know, like they're, they're making a ruckus in chairs because they all want to know about Kenny. And Jerry says, wait, yeah. Jerry says the natives are restless in front of Connie and Malik. And I think Halei's there too. And Halei's there too. And Connie's like, what did you say? And Jerry's just like, nope, nope. They're native because they're from Chicago. And they're restless. They're, uh, they're causing a ruckus. 
And Mark hears it and just gives this really half-assed, let's knock off these kind of remarks, Jerry. Like, oh boy. look, look, I'm a good guy. I addressed the problem. Yikes. But did you? Did you? Well, we don't really get time to process any of that because Rachel is here and the T-1000 is accompanying her. Uh, we find out that Jen's mom had a stroke this morning, so they are uh, flying down to, I believe she says Florida, Sarasota was, I believe, what she... I couldn't keep uh, track. It was Jen talking. I didn't listen. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, uh, it was just going to be something bitchy and awful with how they write her, and I was like, all right, fine. Fair enough. Uh, I believe it's Florida that uh, that she's going to be going. The, the plan is that Jen and Rachel will be going, uh, but Mark asks if uh, Rachel can just stay with him. Um, Jen does kind of a, a, an abrupt 180 in her attitude in this scene too. Like she starts out, you know, of course she's very upset because of what's going on with her mom, and you know, Mark is Mark does a really good job uh, to start with. Like he's very comforting. He's like, "Is there anything I can do?" Blah blah blah. You know, like and and at first she's very like conciliatory, not conciliatory, but like she's she's receptive to it. Like she doesn't immediately get defensive and immediately like start jumping down his throat. But then as soon as he raises the possibility of Rachel sticking around, then she turns immediately back to old Jen and is like, well, you're a bad dad, basically. Like, just old habits come out, and she just gets really catty really fast. It's, it's again, I go back to it every time. Jen was done so dirty by how they had to characterize her to make Mark a sympathetic character. Like, oh, yeah, for I sure. I know we say she, they did it on purpose, but oof. Yeah, the writing does her no favors, and it also doesn't help either that she's now been relegated to mostly like a C or even D tier character where she only shows up a few times a season. You know, back in season one, she was like a once every two or three episodes kind of character. Now it's like we're lucky if we see her two or three times in an entire season. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when her appearances get further and further between like this, you know, it's like you do sort of develop this visceral reaction when she shows up like, ugh, you know, it's going to be ugly. We have our first audio for you. Uh, kind of a quick-paced episode this this week, so it didn't really get too much audio from it. Uh, so we, this one's only like 30 seconds, but it's uh, Hicks and Benton working on Kenny. We'll have to transect with the sternum. Lepshi. I hear our patient's quite the basketball player. NBA material. Have you been busy in outpatient surgery? Well, I've been busy, all right. Especially since I don't have an intern. Suction? Yes, well... Uh... Dr. Carter asked to be transferred to my team. Mm -hmm. You don't think I'd poach him from you, do you? No, 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 of course not. I mean, not unless it was for his own good. Richardson. Suction. Plot twist for Benton there. Plot twist. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. There was more than... Shouldn't Benton have more have had more interns than just... Gant and Carter. Yeah, he had like th two others. Yeah, yeah. The there was the the um, ne Nega the, Carter. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dale. Uh, Dale, who who seems very like nebulous in terms of where he is in his. Sometimes he's presented as an equal to Carter, and sometimes he's presented as being above Carter, even. And then other times he's below Carter. Like it, they they don't seem to really know where to put Dale on the hierarchy. Um, and he also seems to tag along with Anspaugh more often than not. Like you, you tend to see Dale with Anspaugh more so than anybody else. And there was also that um, Asian doctor to the young mm -hmm. lady who was there at the very beginning of the season, and then she came back right after, um, right after Gant, Gant. died, 
and now she's gone again forever. So it's yeah, it's it's he's pretty much down to only Carter at this point. So, but so really, he should have said instead of "I don't have an intern," I don't have a main cast member. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't have any interns that you care about. I don't have any sweet baby Carter. Exactly. Um, speaking of Carter, we go back to him working with Babs, and her EKG is telling him she needs to be monitored, and he needs to get more blood work done because something isn't quite adding up, and he's a little concerned that this is more just a crackhead with a case of some heartburn, because she's been complaining about, um, abdominal pain and burning in her throat and stuff, so we'll see what goes on there. Um, Carol tells Lori if she doesn't get her period in three weeks to come in for a pregnancy test, and then Lori hugs her goodbye and leaves. So that's the end of that story. You were right, Daniel. That's a whiplash. And, um, and, and also, too, that's the end of Carol this episode. Carol's like, I'm pretty gonna go much, home. yeah. Yeah, Carol's like, I'm going to go home and go to sleep, and then we just don't see Carol the rest of the episode. Yeah. She's just gone. Her her shift was done a little before she was done with Lori, but she stuck around to see the case out. Um, but then we go to Jeannie and Carla. And Jeannie says, oh, you and your husband must be very excited. And Carla's like, no, the father would just be howling like a coyote trying to chew his own leg off. It's only me. So Carla doesn't really seem to think very highly of Benton. Yeah. Does she she even like him? Yeah. So (laughs) I almost got very, you know, surprised. I almost got very pedantic with the stuff here. Like, because they mentioned, I think later in the episode, or it might have even been here, that she's uh about six and a half months pregnant so the 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 whole timeline the whole timeline of both the pregnancy and carter and uh, carter carla and benton's relationship is very fuzzy like it's it's very fuzzy and very it seems very like disjointed as far as like because remember when she first popped up like they were all over each other like it was like couldn't get enough benton and you know and he couldn't get enough carla and now it's just like now she's completely done with him like she just thinks he sucks so it's i don't know well yeah they didn't think she was important enough to flesh out as like an actual character or an actual relationship they, they just had this pregnancy plot line that they wanted to get to wait i guess but like it seems to me like one goes hand in hand with the other. Like if you're going to get, if she's going to, and if she's going to end up being Benton's baby mama, then why not build her up as a character a little bit more? Or if she's, if you don't want to build her up as a character, then get rid of her and bring in somebody else to be the baby mama. I just, I don't know. You could do both and it wouldn't be any different, but. Well, no, because I think they want somebody that Benton's going to be a little contentious with too. Yeah, yeah, which, again, based off of their initial chemistry, like, when she first showed up, I could conceivably buy that, because they did have this very simmering, very sizzling chemistry with one another that just completely, for whatever reason, completely evaporated. I don't know what happened, but now it's just very wooden, and there's no, like, I don't buy these two as ever having had any sort of relationship, but, um... In any Didn't Benton just like not call her and then she got really offended at that or something like that? That, that was where knows. we were. That was where we were at the beginning of last episode was like she was like, look, dude, like, I don't need you, basically. Like, I'll I'll take care of this kid. Like, I don't need it. it I don't know. The whole thing is just to me, like I said, it seems rushed and a little disjointed. But uh, but we go from there to uh, our next like kind of little comedy beat thing. Like, and this is the really like blink and you miss it one that is like. They spend no time on this whatsoever. A child ate his parents' wedding wedding rings, um, and uh, Carrie's holding an X-ray of the where the rings are located in the child's stomach. So he's going to have to pass them. Um, so this is a very like nothing interaction. I would have otherwise completely ignored it, um, but I did discover. So I texted the both of you as I was watching this episode that there was a blink and you miss it 
person in here that I thought uh, Lizzie would appreciate. The, I'm googling it right now. Hold on. Don't don't look at it. Don't. I want to. I want. I want to see Lizzie's face when I tell her this one. Um, the I think it's the bride. This is by process of elimination because the this actress is credited as a character named Gloria, and I could not find another character who would fit that description in this episode. So I'm thinking it has to be the bride here. But she's played by an actress named Jennifer Hale, who is both our new high watermark for number of credits for a side character. Uh, 419 credits to Jennifer's name, which is far. I think our previous record was like 386. So she blew that out of the water at 419. But one of Jennifer's most, uh, she has that high of a number because she does a lot of voice acting. And one of Jennifer's uh, most notable roles is the voice of Commander Shepard in the Mass Effect series. Yep. So there yep, you go. As soon as I saw that name, I was, I, <laughs> yeah. For like two <sighs> seconds in a, in and a, this is, in a bride dre- bridal yeah. dress, you can see Commander Shepard. And this is her favorite ER on the Citadel. Check out youtube.com slash the popular chord later this year for <laughs> me playing all the remasters. So there you go, Lizzie. I thought you would enjoy that. She was also the voice of Galadriel in the Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring game. And besides, Femshep is best Shep, so if anyone... Femshep so- is canon Shep. Yeah, exactly. Um then that's how that's how it better stay in the in Mass Effect Four or whatever oh, the fuck they're gonna call the new she, one. She was Bastila Shan. Bastila Shan. Yeah. Yeah. I can't read. Yeah. It's fine. I just never see her face. So like, <laughs> like Fair, her no. voice is forever embedded in my head. But I was like, I just thought you would think that was cool that she was in here for yeah. literally like five seconds. She well, is in everything. Yeah. She's very like he's. Like Daniel said, 419 credits. We're spending way too much time on this two-second character. Uh, Desperate Housewives, the game? <laughs> just do this for the rest of the episode. Just shout out I'm credits sorry. for the rest of the episode. Like, just barely audible sorry. in the background. Go sit okay. on the couch. Go sit on the couch and just shout these out in the background. Just barely I'll audible. fall asleep if I sit on the couch. It can't happen. But Carrie has another patient. A gentleman comes in. He was Jay Wheeling on Michigan Avenue. Um, when the... The EMT is like, what's the new way of saying handicapped? And Carrie uh, says, try a person with a disability. So, I mean, I th- like I understand like the clarification of the nomenclature, but like, I don't know. It just seemed kind of a oddly out of place. Lauren, Finish your thought first. I just I just I thought it Guild was. War. I saw Guild Wars too. So, <laughs> I I just thought it was good to know that the uh, the PC police have gone too far. Crowd was still making noise even in 1997. Like that, that's not a new phenomenon. That white dudes complaining yeah. about being corrected on their language was uh, still a problem for them in 1997, just as much as it is in 2021. Yeah, uh, but the guy is clearly intoxicated, and Carrie starts to pump pump his stomach, and uh, has to put him in restraints as he fights fights back. Sorry, she was also Leia in Diablo three. I'm done now. Oh. Um, Leia. Yeah, I can't. I can't fucking read. We've been over this, but yes. So Carla needs a blood test with a huge needle, which is a big nope from her. Um, the other loop that they can do is if they find out Benton's blood type, she doesn't need it because then they'll know whether Reese is in danger of some very hard to pronounce condition or not. Um, and she's like, "Oh, it's okay." The the father actually works here in the hospital. And Jeannie's like, okay, well, we have a lot of people that work in the hospital. She's like, oh, well, he's a surgeon. Jeannie goes, well, we have a lot of surgeons. And Carla goes, oh, well, it's Peter Benton. And Jeannie just immediately goes, oh. Or is it? 
I don't think they've I don't think they've thought that far ahead at this point. Because it does sort of create a little bit of a plot hole if he's not too, because of the whole blood compatibility thing. Like, they're sort of going in blind there if they're going in under the assumption that Benton's the father. So Jeannie just very quietly goes, "Oh." And then we have Carter is trying to track down a Dr. Smith who saw Babs a few years ago, who's a cardiologist, because he wants to find out about her previous EKGs. And Mark is continuing his crusade to prove he's not racist by, <laughs> <laughs> by asking Malik to get Kenny's friends to go down to the waiting room instead of chairs. And Malik is not happy that Mark is asking him to do this. No. Malik is basically just saying, this is not my job, my dude. Right. And also your races get fucked. Yep. So then we go from there. Uh, we see Rachel coming out of the lounge trying to sneak out. Mark catches her and tells her she needs to stay in the lounge. And then we get our very sweet father-daughter moment. Or not sweet, but like kind of saccharine father-daughter moment here where Rachel asks Mark if he isn't taking care of grandma because mommy and daddy are divorced. Like, yeah. I see, we, I, I see we've reached the... Uh, the full-blown lull of Rachel as a character, I think, at this point. Like, I even started to wonder the other day if we had reached uh, kind of the end-ish of this version of Rachel, and now she's just going to come back as a teenager and, you know, be doing ecstasy and shit. Um, but we still we, we've still got her for a little while longer. I don't think that this Rachel disappears until around 2000 or so. So we yeah, still have she's her. Still, she's still sugary sweet right now. Yeah, still very, very doe-eyed here uh, but we don't get much time to process this as the kid from the opposing basketball team so there's this big like city crosstown you know championships save the rec center whatever bullshit uh there's a there's a game going on and a kid from the other team was shot in a drive-by shooting coming out of practice from woodlawn park uh, which i think we've talked about previously is kind of an uppity suburb is that woodlawn park uh no it's a neighborhood I'm oh no, sure. Highland Park was what we had talked about before. Yeah, yeah, Highland Park is, is the that's the real one. Rich, that's super rich north folk area. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that'll be another kind of touch point that we'll circle back to in a little bit. But uh, we go from there back to Carrie's patient, the gentleman from the hit and run. He's on a ton of drugs and has a high alcohol, uh, blood alcohol level. Carrie wants to get him into detox and back into rehab, and he is having none of it. Uh, really good actor here. I really like this guy. I uh, played. Mm-hmm. Uh, played by actor Clifton Collins Jr., who was in a bunch of different stuff, including Star Trek, the 2009 J.J. Abrams movie, uh, Capote, and Traffic. Yep. Um, And then it looks like, according to Hicks, that Kenny won't ever play basketball again. She does not know how right she is on that statement, but mid-surgery, it's not looking great for him. Um, Jeannie pulls Benton out of surgery to discuss Carla, and Jeannie's like, oh, do you want me to draw your blood or do you want somebody else to do it? And Benton's like, no, you can do it. It's fine. So Jeannie draws Benton's blood so she can type it. This is the first time they've um, they've kind of crossed paths yep. in a while, right? Like since yep. since right after she had, um, found out she was HIV positive. Yep. Uh, and then got our next audio for you. Everyone is gossiping about the kids in the basketball game and Mark is just sort of having none of it. Hey. Family allowed to use this machine? One in the waiting room was broken. Of course. How's your brother doing in surgery? I don't know. Would you like me to call up, see what I can find out? You can do that. Listen, uh, there was some information about your brother's shooting that I didn't give you earlier. Apparently it was drug-related, involved the other victim. Your brother was an innocent bystander. Okay. 
A uh, Woodlawn Park student was just shot in a drive-by. So? There's no need for retaliation. Your brother was not being targeted. You accusing me of having that white boy shot? No, no, no. I'm just trying to give you the information in case you know anybody who might be thinking about revenge. Who the hell you think you're talking to? You don't know my hood and you don't know me. Well, yeah, well, I know about the gunshot victims who come in here every day one after another. And you think you know my life? It's my life, too. I see these kids dying in here every day. And you think I can stop that? Man, what do you know? That's not your brother and his blood spilled. It's not your brother lying on that tape. You don't know a damn thing. So why don't you back off and stay out of my face? Just keeps assuming things. Hmm. Just, just shut up. Just shut up, Mark. You, this, this would be so much better if you just left these people alone. <laughs> or right. listened. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing the, like, overcompensating thing to, like, prove how not racist he is. Like, he's like, can I get you, you know, can I call the surgical service for you? You know, can I get you a cup of coffee? Like, he's doing he's doing literally everything other than what he should do, which is, like Lauren said, just shut up and listen. Right. Um, but then we find out Carter found Dr. Smith, um, Yancey Smith, and Bab's heart has gotten worse because her EKG previously showed no problems at all and now there's a bunch of stuff wrong with it so she needs to stay for further monitoring so carter can figure out what's going on um benton asks genie if carla wants him to see her and genie's like she didn't say yes she didn't say no kind of it's not my business um and mark asks malik to update kenny's friends about his condition and malik's like the fuck dude <laughs> Is it here where he says the thing about not being uh, security? No, or is it a little bit it's, further It's down? a little bit later, yeah. but yeah, he just keeps making but, the same mistake over and over again. Yeah, so Mark just keeps asking Malik to be this middleman. Because he's like, oh, you're a black guy, I know, you're safe, you can help me do this right. Mark, my dude, no. you're better than this. No. Uh, but Carrie tries to get Mark to help uh, with her disability and detox patient, uh, and the Woodlawn kid is crashing, and Carter gets to play surgeon on him while they stabilize him. So we go from there to Carrie calling uh, Dr. Simonson to try and get a bed for her uh, detox patient in a rehab clinic, and you know she kind of tells a little bit of a white lie in terms of the patient's mindset as far as how committed he is to getting better, and. Uh, I really like, so I've, I've realized too how much I appreciate this in a lot of scenes. Um, Lydia, uh, Ellen Crawford, is really good at these like nonverbal takes in the background where like she will just like, yeah, like tilt her head a little bit or like raise an eyebrow or like she's just, she's real good at that sort of thing of like kind of eavesdropping and making a face or something. And it really adds a little something extra. Um, and she does come up after Carrie gets off the phone and says, you know, now if you can just sell it to the patient. So we'll circle back to Carrie's patient in a little bit and see what's going on there. But we do find out from Hicks that unfortunately Kenny died on the table 20 minutes ago. So this is not going to have a happy ending. Unfortunately, we go from there to another kind of weird little comedy beat thing. Almost. Um, it's a couple of little league kids come in that have been, I guess there was like a collision at second base. And so they both kind of got little bumps and bruises. And the main story here is the dads, the the two kids, dads that are arguing about it. The kids don't seem to really care that much. Uh, Doug is taking care of them and, and the dads will not shut up long enough for dad, uh, long enough for Doug to uh, examine them. So he kind of pulls them out into the hallway and is basically like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, the only real notable bit here is that one of the dads, which I 
charmingly noted in my notes was the dad with the nose. There's one dad that's got a really like pointy nose, uh, who I noted, Mm -hmm. I, um, recognized from a bunch of different things, uh, who I, before I realized about commander Shepard earlier, I thought this guy was going to be our high water person for the episode. He's got 114 credits to his name, Dennis Cockrum. Um, who appeared, I know, we, we got Dick Fancy and Dennis Cockrum in the same episode. Um, but he appeared in a bunch of different stuff, including Gangster Squad, uh, Hail Caesar with George Clooney, uh, and the movie Uncle Buck, one of my favorites from the late 80s, early 90s, John Candy. And uh, here's where Malik is finally done with Mark's shit. Oh. Uh, Mark asks Malik to come with him to tell Kenny's family that he died, and Malik just straight up says, if you're scared, call security. I'm a nurse. Damn straight, Malik you go boy uh but mark does tell chris and chris is obviously devastated yeah i was gonna say less than thrilled but yeah devastated is a more appropriate reaction for that that man breaks yeah Yeah. it's really good um and then carla oh no has started having contractions but the good news is peter's blood test came back and there is no need for the big scary needle blood test that she was going to have to have but they're taking her up to ob for labor because unfortunately with the contraction she's having, this cannot wait. Um, Carrie is also bribing the wheelchair patient with Demerol to get him into the rehab clinic. She offers him a dose of Demerol if he will go and get sober. Lydia, I think it's Lydia is in here with her for this and is absolutely horrified by this. It's like, what are you doing? (laughs) This is a bad idea. Which we find out why Lydia thinks it's so bad later, but... Um, I mean, she's right. She is right, but we find out what her reasoning is a little bit later on. But yeah, so Carrie gives this guy some Demerol. Thinks she's going to get him up into rehab. Let's see what happens. And uh, Jeannie is putting in Carla's IV, and they're just they're just too sweet. I wish we had more of these two together. Honestly, I do. Um, because Jeannie is, like, trying to... Because uh, Carla's obviously, she, like she said, she's terrified of needles, so she's very nervous about the whole thing. And Jeannie's like putting her through this thought exercise, like go somewhere, like go somewhere else in your mind, picture, picture, you know, whatever, whatever happy feeling, whatever happy place. And Jeannie's like, you want to tell me where you are? And Carla says, I can't. It's (laughs) X-rated. They're just so cute together. Jeannie gets the IV in with, with no pain on from Carla. And Carla says, damn, you got the touch. And it's just very sweet. Then we have Doyle is going to take Rachel to dinner at Magoo's. And while while they're getting ready for her to go, Rachel does the earnest, why did that boy die? <laughs> Were you taking care of him the way the doctors are taking care of grandma? What What's the, what's a rainbow? Like just, <laughs> that last one's not a real question by Rachel, but just, just the, the over-saccharine vapid rachel that we get every time something bad happens in the er when she happens to be around like you'd think she would have learned kind of how her dad's job works by now um we've had her in here enough for these moments especially in season one Um, yeah this feels like a very season one moment, right yeah i feel like like we've progressed past the need for rachel to be (laughs) society has progressed past the need for rachel i mean yes but yeah so then it's very cute um they uh doyle and rachel are headed over there and doyle runs out going like oh if you know first last one to touch the door has to eat two green vegetables like they're a cute pair i want more of doyle babysitting rachel it's really much not much doyle gets to do in this episode like she kind of gets bumped out of the uh the kenny law trauma early on and then after that she gets relegated to babysitting duty after that yep but 
so then we come to a really, uh, really good uh, bit of work here by Hale. I mm-hmm. really, really enjoy the way that she kind of addresses Mark here because Mark kind of goes to her in probably his most conciliatory tone that he's struck this whole episode. Like he's not going in, tr- like he's not going in asking to be absolved. He's going in asking the honest question, like was I wrong basically? And essentially, you know, she says, yes, you know, but the way she says it and the the language that she uses illustrates the point so clearly and so definitively, like, you know, you all like white for white folks. It's like, y'all always say it's not about race. She's like, but for us, it always is. And like, it just, because it has to be like, and it's, it's just so very well done by her. And I, I just Mm -hmm. like, we, we, we don't give Halei enough credit for these very poignant moments that she yep. does. But uh, again, like so many things in this episode, we don't really get a chance to absorb it as we are immediately uh, thrust into Babs crashing. Uh, she's having a heart attack. They do manage to stabilize her. I really, at this point in the episode, was afraid that they were like that Babs was going to croak. I really thought that. Yeah. I really thought Babs was going to die. Uh, but they do. I'm manage... glad they handle her. I am too. Yeah, they they do manage to stabilize her. We'll get one more little bit of of <laughs> resolution with her, a uh, little parting shot for Mark uh, on the way out the door. But that's where we yep. leave her for now. Yep. So, um, but with that, it's it's found out that she actually did have a cardiac condition as part of this. Is that's why she was having all that chest pain? It wasn't that she was a quote unquote crackhead who was coming in just imagining things and like scratching at herself going, my chest hurts, my chest hurts. It's, she was actually like having a medical condition. Yeah. So that's the first part of it. I want to note that before we get to her send off. So Carla's getting her ultrasound done and asks if it's a boy or a girl. And Coburn is so funny. She goes, I haven't seen a penis yet, but sometimes boys are a little shy. And then they all make small penis jokes. And then all of a sudden, yep, there's a penis. It's a boy. Um, we have seen Reese, adorable little ultrasound baby. So we have Babs's farewell here, and as she's being wheeled out past Mark, um, she goes, "Oh, I never should have smoked that crack, huh?" Mm. Twist that knife just a little bit. Mm. So everybody was right, and everybody was wrong in in the case of Babs. Mark was r- wrong to write her off, and wrong to just be like, "Oh, it's a crackhead." Carter was right by hustling and actually getting all her medical history no carter didn't do anything wrong here it's just mark mark was wrong mark's wrong mark's an idiot yeah i think we did uh like we didn't like mention it specifically earlier but there is a little interaction with babs and carter where she's like you're much too nice to be a surgeon or or like you're you're very nice are you sure you're a surgeon and he just kind of throw away lines says you know sometimes i wonder and it's like all right we're, we're heading down that road like we're we're working uh, our way down. a few episodes away. Yeah. Yeah, it does happen at the end of the season. Uh, but for now, let's, uh, we got uh, two audio clips sort of back-to-back here. Let's start off with uh, the end of the Woodlawn Boys surgery with Hicks and Benton. We've got the bleeding under control. Pressure's holding at 96 units, Seren. I've dissected out the femorals for you. Yeah, not bad for a couple of general surgeons. Okay, we'll take it from here. Material and venous cannula. Let's get the hoses up. Well, at least we saved one of the basketball players. It was a pleasure working with you today, Peter. Likewise. I know you have your heart set on a high-end specialty, Peter. But I've got an opening on my team for a good general surgeon. Not flashy, but we still have a lot of fun. 
not ambition, Peter. It's about healing people. Just let me know if you change your mind. Dr. Hicks. I'd be honored. Good. What? Well, it means you'll be working with Carter again. You'll love it. How many goddamn teams do they have in this surgical? 27. Like, at the beginning of the season, if you'll recall, or it might have even been at the end of season two, uh, if you'll recall, there was a team headed up by uh, Anspa, and there was a team headed up by Benton. And Carter was going to be on Anspa's and then team, one and then, by, I and think then Hicks switched to the Benton. No, Hicks wasn't involved at the beginning. And then suddenly, magically, throughout the season, it shifted from the, it's Anspa's team to it's Hicks's team. So Carter left Benton's team to go to Hicks's team. And now, all of a sudden, Benton gets to go to Hicks's team? So now is Benton's team dissolved? Like, what's... <laughs> I don't understand. I have no idea. Uh, but our next audio and our last audio for the episode uh, after that is uh, Doug... T- Doug uh, talking with Mark. Thought you'd gone home. Carter wants a rematch. No, not now. Come on, now the honor of the ER is at stake. Uh, Rachel's over at Doc's with Doyle. I, I thought I'd go check in on him. All right, look, you got to help me out because I'm still nursing a bad leg. I don't think I can take him by myself. All right, ten minutes. No right. more than you're on your own. Oh, boy. You know what? I uh, called up the OR about Kenny Law. Mm-hmm. Whether my delay in diagnosing would have made a difference. You know what they think? There's no way of knowing. Yeah. But you're right. I do make assumptions about patience, about race. I try not to act on them. You know, I try to act the way I'd like the world to be, not the way it is or I am. Mark, you're the least cynical ER doc I know. Is he, though? (laughs) He's the least cynical, but that also means he's the most naive. So we go from there... uh to uh, back to Carrie's patient who is uh, surprised not going to rehab he has signed himself out and is headed out and Carrie tries to confront him and is like dude what the hell we had a deal and he says you never trust a junkie and rolls out and this is where we get the kind of resolution on Lydia's feelings from earlier where she's like you know he's he'll be back like and he'll be looking for drugs and it'll be on us to us meeting the nurses to yep. uh, get a handle on him. So you can understand a little bit of where Lydia is coming from with that one. But uh, we go from there back out to the ambulance bay where uh, Mark, Doug and Carter are having their rematch and Malik comes out and Mark goes up to him to try to get him to join in the game. And, you know, Mark, Mark selects the end of the after school special ending as he owns up to his bullshit and solves racism forever. And then they all hug it out over basketball and every- we're done here, folks. Yep. That's fine. We did it. We did it, gang. We saw racism will never be brought up in the show ever again. We, we did it. <sighs> and then uh, we wrap up the episode with Ben going to check in on Carla, but she's asleep. So and he's kind of creeping and playing with her hair while she while she sleeps, which seems very but she is very creepy just based on how their icy their relationship has been. Like, I don't think that's, I don't think that would be a consensual thing that she would like to have done to her nope. by that man. Uh, but he checks the ultrasound tape. Uh, Jesus, there's a dated re- reference um, to see, to see his baby or so he thinks um, the date on the VHS does say four ten ninety seven, 97, which is the same as this air date. So nice little touch there. And, he is just so 
so in love with that kid at first sight. This is the first picture of mm-hmm. Reese that he's seen at am, all. Am I right in remembering he does the little like finger to the monitor yeah. touch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is it's a very sweet ending. Love at first sight. Yeah. Kinda creepy but all but ultimately very sweet. <laughs> kinda, yeah. kinda creepy, but uh We'll let it slide because Benton and Reese are like that's the true. best. So this episode could have been thrown out of the season and then with nothing of value would have really been lost. I mean, it does set up like... I was going to the... say, the only thing it exists to is to set up for the next mystery, yeah. but... Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, I would call it high-end filler. Like, it is... Mm-hmm. As filler episodes go, it's pretty okay. It's pretty good. There's um, there's quite a bit of tension in this episode. Uh, there is quite a... There is something of an arc, however, you know, kind of trite it may be. Um, but they just, we were kind of talking about this a little bit off mic. Like they they do a lot of dropping of things in this episode. Like they they drop Carol's storyline very quickly. They drop you know there, there's a lot of little comedy beat patients that are here for a minute and then gone. Um, I feel like they don't do enough. I feel like they could have done more character exploration with Carter and Babs. Like I feel like we could have had a few a, a scene mm-hmm. or two of them getting to know each other a little bit better. Uh, find out a little bit more of Babs's history, mm-hmm. flesh her out a little more. Um, so there's definitely, I think there's meat on this bone. I think you could have taken this episode from the kind of C plus B minus territory it's in now and made a really kind of underrated great episode out of it. Um, but there's just little yeah. things that don't quite, don't quite mesh. Um, it's it's an after school special. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's very it's very by the numbers in that respect. Like Mark Mark does a racism and then. <laughs> And and then fixes racism by the end of the episode, so it's it is very like I said trite in that sense. But I do think, I do think we have had worse filler episodes. I, I will say that we have had ones that were much more meaningless and um, had had much greater problems. This one is fine, um, but it could have been so much better. And I think that's the the part that leaves you wanting more. Halei gets my gold star for this yeah. episode. Yeah, Loki. Halei and Malik. Halei and Malik are lo- yeah. low key MVPs for this episode. Yeah, it's a C. Yeah, for me. Yeah, not one I'd ever watch again. Not if we had we not. Not one I probably would have ever watched again had we not been doing this series. But it's not one you would choose to throw on. But like, I want to watch a good episode. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. For only a dollar a month, you get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you get access to the full season recap episodes, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll have access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment as well as monthly movie commentaries where we will watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Um, instead of doing my follow this week, I'm going to also share that in 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 addition to the Team Jerry stickers, we also have our podcast logo available in oh. a limited quantity. So if you're interested in getting a sticker of that, let us know. Um, 
And along with that, please rate and review on iTunes. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter. I am at RandomGamer, that's J-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of the beautiful game, Ori in the Blind Forest. Uh, new episodes of that are, are out every Friday. You can find those videos and more at YouTube.com slash The Popular Court. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. <laughs>